Politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and forgotten taxpayers to the one and only Conservative Review podcast. Your host, Daniel Horowitz, in the house today on Thursday, February 13th. This is your only respite from the duopoly, the Republicrats, Demikins, the perverted duopoly in Washington that is all about either destroying the country or the soap opera, not about the issues that you care about. Look, folks, yesterday's show is a paradigm of what we're about, what we're going to continue doing. Victims of crime, victims of illegal immigration, victims of government-run health care, really beautiful story, terrible tragedy, but beautifully articulated by Virginia Krieger yesterday's show. If you haven't heard it, go to iTunes, and by the way, give us a five-star review. Um, I really thank those of you who have done that. It is helpful because we ultimately have to get our voice out. A lot of you ask me, why aren't there more people doing this? Why is it that the left keeps winning and we're left with nothing but talking points? Where we're not seizing the moment of Trump's presidency nearly enough and where there are so many examples. Some of you who are watching my Twitter account know this from Jared and Ivanka and really many other people you've never heard of in every department and agency pushing back against those that bled for Trump's election and why they keep winning and why they're going to continue winning in the second term. I'm here today to give you the answer to that. This is the truth bomb of all truth bombs. This is the golden calf of all golden calves. And that is this. Democrats are destroying this country. Republicans are there not to wake up every day to see how they could restore our republic, do what's right and just for the forgotten American taxpayer that just wants government out of its lives for what it shouldn't be doing and wants government to focus on the core jobs of the social compact. Instead, they focus on making money. It's all a business. That's why this whole Fox News thing and everyone trying to emulate Fox in their own way. Here's the dirty little secret. I was in Washington yesterday, and every time I go there, I get very frustrated. Have conversations with people, well-meaning people, good people. And you start to get a sense of the reason why we're in the position we're in is the reason we're going to continue to be here. And that is everyone's got to eat. It's all about money. So the left has a a ton of free money. I mean, we're going to get to a story later today, but you're going to see every illegal alien drug trafficker, gang member, murderer, you name it, has top-notch attorneys to litigate their cases. Where does that come from? Well, there's free legal defense Law, policy, politics, electioneering, the left has free money. So they could not, they don't have to worry about earning a living. And you could take nonprofit organizations and fundamentally transform our republic. Now, let's say you fundamentally want to restore our republic. Well, where's the money going to come from? There are none. So in this era of the internet, it's all about clickbait. And that's where we came up with the term click servitism, which is really a double entendre. It's Click as in CK, 
clicks for your website, but it's also click with a Q where then it becomes groupthink. And it's a self-fulfilling prophecy that everyone thinks, well, this is what you need to do to earn a profit. And that's what it is. Now, look, everyone's got to eat. And there's nothing wrong with also trying to make money. Obviously, if you have a good entertaining show, I'd love to have advertisers because that way we could really truly remain independent and I could not hold back, which I don't hold back, but continue to not hold back from speaking the truth, from really focusing like a laser beam on what is important to our communities, our prosperity, our safety, our future. Slay all the golden calves. And say what needs to be said. So yeah, I mean, if any of you know people or you want to advertise, look, you're open to do that. But when it becomes fundamentally about that, it's like Animal Farm. You you land in the same place as everyone else. And that's what's happening with conservative media. Everyone's trying to crack the code of how do you make money? So then it becomes all about that. And it's all about clicks. So on a given day, it might be important to, to talk about how this illegal alien killed 22 people, smothered 22 seniors to death, and millions of other things like that that we could easily push to win on very important, vital issues. Or you could focus on Roger Stone. So today, yesterday, it was all about Roger Stone. And it's funny, we have a certain, we have this, when I say we, I mean the phony conservative media, this attitude and this penchant for somehow bleeding and dying on other people's hills. Like, if we're going to die for someone, could we at least focus on our own people? Could we at least focus on people like Virginia Krieger, Angel Moms? Does it have to be guys like Roger Stone who are sleazebags and destroyed conservatism forever? This guy, by the way, just so you know, he did everything he can for the whores in the sugar lobby to defeat Ron DeSantis. And I forget the establishment guy running in the primary there for governor in Florida. I, I know, I get the talking point. I get it that, yeah, you know, we let out all these murderers and then, you know, political crimes, the left winds up succeeding in locking people up forever. I get that. I get the talking point of what's going on there. But it's always about that. Only about that. It's never, there's never time. You would think this week impeachment's over. New Hampshire died down. It's a little bit you know, a little bit of time until the next Democrat primary, we can finally double down on what it is, what it is we expect and hope to do in a second term, what it is we hope to stop the administration. I mean, you got Jared and Ivanka out there. Ivanka was promoting global women's prosperity, and she says she's going to introduce a piece of legislation in the Senate. So she's president, co-president, but then she's also a senator, I guess, now. Global? So it's not even, so, so now we're, not just engaging and tipping the scales to women over men at a time when they're doing better than men in everything, every field. Um, the majority of law school, medical school, much less other things. I, I just don't get it. But global? What does that even mean? Who elected that? Who voted for that? Nobody. But if you want access to the White House and you want clicks and you want to be involved in the click with a Q, well, the last thing you're going to do is attack, you know, the chief of Republican voters that everyone loves, Donald Trump, his his family. But someone's got to do it, so I'll do it. And I'll be in the doghouse, but I don't care. But someone's got to hold down the fort. What, what am I driving at? 
So because of yesterday's special show, I didn't have time to get to this. This happened on Tuesday. But I want to talk about the results of click-servitism. Of when we don't have it, a principled anchor of what it is we actually want, what it is we're trying to win ele- elections on behalf, and who, and what we're going to do with it, and to demand accountability and results and outcomes and true reforms to our government. What happens is we start becoming like the left. When it's all about operating on this click, nerdy, Twitter, Facebook, um, group think, we're so into battling the media rather than affirmatively talking about our stories and our issues, what matters as an end to itself, we start thinking like the media and then we become like them. So all of conservatism now is about racial and identity pandering. It's unbelievable. A black this, a this, a Latino this, a transgendered Muslim this, a women's empowerment. And it's like, the, the, the point of winning over voters is to win them over on our terms, to show them how all Americans will be safer and more prosperous under a constitutional conservative model. Right? That was the idea. I guess I missed the memo. Instead, we just th- th- there's this new game in town where we try to out-left the left on crime. So you saw there's this whole thing, all these swamp monsters in the Trump campaign This guy Parscale, who's the basically the campaign manager, tweets out this video they heard of this audio of Bloomberg speaking at the Aspen Institute or some private conversation they caught where they're like, he is a horrible, quote, racist and horrible. Because we're trying to play the less racial game. He's horrible. And we're now attacking him for pushing stop and frisk and just stating the obvious. That when everyone complains about racial bias and stop and frisk, it's not biased because 95%, I don't have the quote in front of me, but Bloomberg basically said 95% of um, all crime, of murders in particular, in New York City are committed by non-whites, by the very people they're complaining about. So, you know, it's not, it's not biased. Now... As Bloomberg is now pandering and becoming a leftist, I mean, he has been for quite some time, adopting pro-criminal policies, promising to release all the criminals. Republicans have a perfect line of attack against him that, that could resonate with even more voters, resonate with suburban white voters, resonate with most blacks who, frankly, are not criminals, and be rooted in principle and public safety, and that is this. This little SOB, Mike, wants to free all the violent criminals, import foreign national criminals, and harbor them in sanctuary cities, and then spend billions of dollars advertising to take away our guns so we can't defend ourselves from the dirtbag criminals he's going to release as president. That is the line of attack that you run against him. That is the talking point. See, a principled person harnesses talking points in pursuit of poli- of defined, fixed, principled policy outcomes. That's what the left does, okay? Because they believe in things. Clickservitism, this phony, decrepit, broken, conservative industry, is all about grabbing, harnessing, random, fished-out policies, which are increasingly becoming left-wing racial identity stuff, in order to get a talking point. Because the end goal is, 
Oh, I want to click on my web. Oh, yeah, you see, uh, Bloomberg is more racist. He hates blacks. You know, that type of stupidity. <clears throat> and Trump, Trump himself, I don't know if it was him or if it was a guy like Dan Scavino who runs his Twitter account. He briefly tweeted it out and then he erased it. Now, the reason he erased it was obvious because Trump rightfully said the very th- these very things in the past, and that really is his position if you take these match and Mercedes Schlapp, Open Borders Pro-Criminal American Libertarian Union, a.k.a. Conservative Union, that runs the stupid, stupid CPAC show that they're going to put on in a couple of weeks. These are the people guarding the gates to Trump now. So, you know, Trump himself said these truths a long time ago, and he still believes in them. So, first off, this was just dumb. Okay, it was just politically dumb. Because, again, it's stupid to out-left the left on crime. Because... Obviously, Trump, until Jared got a hold of him, was saying the same thing. So it's just it's just stupid, and the media just clobbered him for it. You know, Trump back in the past, this was in 2013, he tweeted out, Sadly, the overwhelming amount of violent crime in our major cities is committed by blacks and Hispanics, a tough subject, but must be discussed. When it comes to violent crime, and if we are going to solve the problem, we must stop being so politically correct, we must tell it like it is. Likewise, the primary victims of violent crimes are in the African-American and Hispanic communities. These people want law and order now. That is the perfect message. That is the Trump that people voted for. But that is the Trump that we are not getting thanks to the cowardice of my colleagues, stupid, lazily, intellectually lazy, unprincipled people in this business. Let's go latch on to the talking point. And they're still doing it in in, in conservative media. You see? And, and like, he, here's what's so offensive. It's stupid, it's wrong, it's bad politics, it's ruining so many opportunities, and it's frankly offensive. I mean, what, what really, what's next? Will they start digging up anti-illegal immigration comments from one Democrat candidate before their party lost their minds, which they're doing with Amy Klobuchar now? Yeah, believe it or not, Democrats actually, actually sounded more conservative on immigration than Republicans are today. There's your Overton window for you. But I digress. Are they going to start digging up anti-illegal immigration comments and start calling those Democrats anti-Hispanic for supporting sovereignty and the rule of law back in the day rather than attacking them for their position now, which harms everyone? Folks, this line of thinking that oh, we're going to go and campaign and move to the left of the Democrats on crime in order, to, in their mind, to drive a wedge between black voters and Democrats. That line of thinking is radical leftist dogma on policy and it's offensive and counterintuitive politics. The notion, okay, that promoting socialism is good for low-income voters, promoting open borders is good for Hispanic voters, And yes, promoting pro-criminal policies is somehow good for African Americans is the type of establishment swamp rubbish that the voters in the Republican primaries rejected and it's precisely the reason why they chose Trump. 
And I'm not going to stand here while that mandate gets ripped away. But the reality is, Bloomberg was right then, he's wrong now, and Trump was right then, and he should continue to be right now and move away from the Jared stuff. Not only are these policies, as we speak every day, undoing all the good work Reagan started on crime reduction, it's harming law-abiding black citizens more than anyone else. The way to win over their vote is not by being more liberal than the left, but by demonstrating how conservative positions are better for public safety for everyone. Look, obviously I did a whole show on this back in October. Look up episode 504 if you wanna, if you haven't seen it. And I think that also has a video on YouTube. We're no longer on YouTube for now. Hopefully it will come back someday. I know many of you have asked me about that. But episode 504, where I really delve through the myth that blacks are somehow over-incarcerated, they're actually under-incarcerated relative to the crime rates. But the more important point is that even with the appallingly high percentage, disproportionate amount of crimes committed by non-whites, at the end of the day, it's still a relatively small number of people. right? Most African Americans are law-abiding people. So when you posit, when you throw principle and justice and law and order under the bus for racial pandering, you're I, I, like every liberal policy, you hurt the people you most claim to single out to protect, which you should never be doing as good governance. You never single out special interests. It's, you, you govern for the whole of the people. But anyway, the reality is this. Because of the very stop and frisk policies and the longer sentencing and the tougher on crime, tougher, more aggressive policing that these people say are racist. Murders dropped from thousands to just 300 in New York City. You know how many black lives were saved from that? This is what you run on. Getting rid of gangs in their communities. I, I crunched the data. See, they didn't have it ready. I didn't find it readily available, but they have each murder documented in a spreadsheet in Comstat on the NYPD website. So I, I searched it. It took me a little bit of time. Here's what I came up with. Of the two, so in 2018, I don't I couldn't find 2019 yet. I don't think they have it. It's too early. But 2018, there were 209 known homicide suspects. So let's say about 300 whatever murders. They had 209 arrested suspects for homicide. Well, I know there was a little bit more, slightly more, but there are 209 whose race was known. Okay? 149 of them, that is 71%. 71% of all murders in New York City that year were committed by blacks or what they call black Hispanic. If you add those two together, 19% were white Hispanic. Just 14 people, 14 individual homicide suspects, 6.6% were white. In other words, 93.4% of murders were committed by so-called minorities. Just as Bloomberg rightfully said back then and is walking back and Trump his whole career said. But here's the kicker. At the same time, you look at the other side of the ledger. 
there were 289 known homicide, homicide victims whose race was documented. Just 9% were white. 68% were black or black Hispanic. 19% were white Hispanic. It almost works perfectly. It's, it, you know, that uh, with murder, the uh, race, identity of the offender, the perpetrator, and the victim tend to be the same. I mean, that's basic criminology, and it's true everywhere. And that's the, that's the terrible tragedy. It's a little bit tough to accuse police of somehow unjustly arresting non-whites, stop and frisk, when the victims of crime are equally of the same composition. So it's bullcrap. And, and the American people would easily understand this. And of course, as Bloomberg also said, again, before he went nuts, most of them are male, right? They're minority male, and that, that is true. I looked it up. 93% of homicide perps in New York City were male. So are, are, are we going to somehow start a movement and say, prison, abolish prison, it's unjustly, it's a war on males. Well, uh, what do you want from me? Males commit more crime. I mean, like, whatever. And again, the same is true of the other crime statistics as well. Non-whites accounted for 86% of rape offenders, 92% of robbery offenders, 85% of felonious assault, 96% of all shootings. So that includes you know, non-fatal shootings that didn't result in a homicide. 96% were African-Americans. And again, likely an equal share of the victims, assuming they were shot at, were African-Americans. Nationwide, obviously, is not quite as non-white as New York City, but same principle. Nationwide, blacks are 12% of the population, yet they compose 54% of robbery arrests, 34% of aggravated assault arrests, 43% of weapons arrests and about 53% of homicide. In total, they composed 37.4% of all violent crime arrests, yet yet, only 33% of state and federal inmates in 2017 were black. So they actually, their share of the prison population is actually lower than their share of the violent crime. And notice when I say violent crime, notice what I did not include, drugs. So, you know, it's, it's not about drugs. Their, their rate of arrest for drugs is, is definitely higher than 12%, their share of the population, but it's lower than the big violent crime categories. Shouldn't we focus more on victims of crime and law-abiding citizens, including African-Americans, rather than helping criminals? I mean... This is the thing. We're seeing this with the so-called First Step Act. Trump, just a couple days ago, reverted back to his original saying that these people should get the death penalty, the drug tra traffickers. All of those stupid, loser, intellectually vapid Teletubbies that call themselves conservatives, who join with the pro-criminal bandwagon, the leniency industrial complex, just because supposedly Trump supports it, they're actually being counterintuitive in the most pathetic way. Because guess what? They are really supporting the very swamp that is weighing down what should have been a law and order president. What a bunch of malarkey. But this is what click servitism is all about. 
It's all about racial pandering. It's all about a talking point. I want a talking point. So like I said, what's next? Are we going to start outbidding Bernie Sanders on freebies? Well, I, I, I mean, he, he, here's the dirty little secret. If you're going to talk about the black vote, okay, let, let's, let's just call a spade a spade here. This criminal justice deform is a nerdy, pathetic thing that nobody outside of political elites care about. Okay, this notion that somehow blacks care about that is just absurd. I'm saying if you're going to play the left-wing pandering game, it's all about fiscal stuff. It's the programs. Okay, so, so let, let, I mean, if you're going to do that, then be consistent. Then, then outbid if you want, if the goal is to win the black vote and win it by being a leftist, the more effective way, the truth be told, is just outbid them on, on the programs. So, so, don't somehow make, a, make it seem like the crime is a thing, because the opposite is true. What's, what, what's officially the goal? The goal is to say, look, if Republicans could win 7 to 10% more of the black vote, it's game over for Democrats. But if you had to look at the 7 to 10% of African-American citizens, voting citizens in this country, that are naturally would be the most inclined to move away from the Democrat Party. Ask yourself this question. Who would it be? Would it be the punks playing the knockout game in the streets and trafficking cocaine? Or would it be the working professionals that don't want this crap in their neighborhoods? I mean, it's just stupid. And then not to mention, obviously, white suburban voters that certainly don't want this, that they're bleeding in in droves and, and, and they can win back voters on this. But that's with that. But don't worry, Ivanka will be working on global women's empowerment legislation. And I'm hearing also from my buddy Chip Roy and other guys that there's global warming stuff their work. I mean, there are a lot of problems in this administration. If you had a real conservative media, we could shut it down tomorrow. We could shut it down tomorrow. The president would listen. If you don't, if we don't reform this phony movement, let me tell you, mark my words, February 13th, 2020, I want you guys to mark this down. If nothing changes in our approach, here's what's going to happen. Trump very likely will win back, you know, win the presidency. He'll get reelected. Let's just say for argument's sake, it's, it's certainly not a given at all, Republicans win back the House. Mark my words. So spending, it's going to be like, it's going to make the first term look like Calvin Coolidge, which in itself made Obama's presidency look like Calvin Coolidge. Spending, I mean, Department of Education, and then you're going to have all these big spending programs that they're coming up with. That, that, that's a given. Let me tell you something. Second terms of Republican presidents have not worked out well. Everyone thinks, oh, despite getting beaten up by the media, you still won. You have a mandate. That's what you would think. And if we had a healthy movement, that's what would happen. But the opposite happens. The swamp takes over even more. They drift. Mark my words, you will have a massive pro-criminal bill. They're working on it. And mark my words, you will have an amnesty. There will be an amnesty for illegal aliens for some cosmetic exchanges, and none of these major promises on criminal aliens, much less you know, reducing legal immigration, will be fulfilled. 
And what's going to happen is, see, here's the thing. Democrats might lose this election, but it, it slides both ways. The same way Democrats are misreading the electorate. So these suburban voters who don't like Trump's personality and they think they could just come in there and just become socialist anarchists and they're going to they're in for a surprise. But it's the same thing here, too. You, likewise, if they win, it won't be because they won the hearts and minds of voters on an agenda. It will be because the Democrats were just unpalatable for, for too many voters. But they're going to get in there and, and the negativity against Trump is going to revert. We're going to have all the li- liabilities of being in power. None of the benefits like we had the first two years. It's only going to get worse with fatigue. There's always fatigue even against anyone in liberal democ- democracies in these days with just saturation media, but certainly with Trump, they're going to get crushed beyond belief in the midterm elections. And then it's going to become even worse. But then at the end of the day, Trump will still be president. So there's still going to be fatigue. And they're going to have a very, very hard time Republicans winning the presidency again. I mean, really, the trend hasn't been that way. Um, It's flipped back the last three times. And what are you going to be left with? Oh, but then when the Democrats get in, Republicans will be upset. And the voters will be upset and they'll elect new Tea Party Republicans who will be Republicans and rinse and repeat over and over again. Folks, I will not do this for the rest of my life. I have no interest. I'll go into business or something. Anyone who's looking for a business partner, heck, maybe I'll, if you want a smart analytical mind, maybe I'll join you. I'm almost ready to leave this. It's only because of your support that I know so so many of you count on me to to spend the time studying the truth, fighting for as many issues as I can. I, I, I you know I try to do it until the plug is pulled on me. It's a very narrow window to succeed in this business of click servitism. But again, it doesn't have to be this way. On the positive side, if Bernie gets the nomination and they win a big election, there's so much that could be done. That would resonate with voters. Imagine my friends. Imagine. If we had an entire new movement. Dedicated. To new policies and messaging. For returning to the people. The power. From the federal courts. Who have upended. Our democracy. Imagine if we had a party. Running on restoring the pyramid of governance. Championing localism. Making state legislatures great again. Imagine if we had a party running on creating a new tax system where localism would reign supreme and states would take the lead on setting the overall structure of the code and the feds would just come in on the back end with a flat tax of state revenue. Imagine a party that used its entire messaging apparatus to give a vision for immigration that enriches America rather than one that turns our communities into dumping grounds. Imagine if we had a party that while pushing localism for local issues, made the very government, the, the, the very federal government that we want to be limited, but strong and effective in the few areas they were supposed to dominate to protect national sovereignty and security. A party that relentlessly battled sanctuary cities, indeed, not just half-hearted rhetoric. A party that had a vision for stemming the tide of gangs, drugs, criminal aliens coming over the border and being harbored by these neo-Confederate cities. Imagine a party that placed the interests of victims of crime and the safety of suburban communities ahead of those criminals 
with as much rigor as Democrats promote criminals. Imagine a party that is able to speak about our 18 years of failed foreign policy, engaging in Middle East urban renewal, Kabul Islamic Sharia building projects, rather than a vision of peace through strength, strike and maneuver that always puts our interests first and focuses more on the threat at our own border and China's asymmetrical warfare against us. Imagine a party that ran on rooting out crony capitalism and venture socialism, ethanol mandates, cafe standards, all these interventions that raise the cost of food and fuel on ordinary American consumers in order to enrich the wealthy lobbyists. Imagine a party that ran on systemic government reform, Article 5 convention, balanced budgets, term limits, and really pushed it. And imagine a party that gave a vision for health care that eliminated government and the insurance cartel from getting between you and your doctor. What we need is a 100-day plan, like the contract with America, maybe a 300-day plan. I was out in Washington peddling this. It only takes a certain amount of people to get on the map in this day and age with social media. Get 10, 15 House members together and lay down a red line of this is what we stand for. This is what we will do if we take back the House. Have a broad principle document and then a specific PDF that you publicize of specific legislation you'll do to deal with a lot of those systemic problems. And at least, at least from the House, at least the House, the people's House, this is what you would do. And you would get President Trump on board. That's how you do it. you got to be proactive. Otherwise, you wait. The swamp will get to him first. Got to be proactive. That, that, that's the whole point here. Doesn't have to be this way. Doesn't have to be this way. Um, there are so many crazy stories I want to share with you, but I only have time today for one. We'll leave the rest for, for tomorrow. I have an article up today about this. We talked about the notion that we have millions of illegal aliens who have also committed substantial crimes on our shores that are able to remain in the country indefinitely. Let me tell you what's happening to our country. They are coming here. They are suing us. They are getting standing in our courts. They're getting rights. They're getting welfare. And even the worst criminal alien gang members, then even after they go through extensive due process that they are not entitled to. They still don't, they, 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 they abscond from the court cases or order to remove, don't get removed, get their lawyers to reopen the case. And meanwhile, they're able to go ahead and actually drop four anchor babies and force citizenship upon us. I mean, if you can't message this to the voters, I don't know what you can Let me give you the poster child for this, and there are millions of cases like this. Jorge Avila, it's really a pseudonym. It's called by something else. 31-year-old illegal alien Mexican living in Park Hill, Colorado. Denver Media wrote a puff piece. Oh, he's taking up sanctuary in, in a church. He's a religious man. He grew up in the city's public school system. 
basically, if you read the article, you wouldn't even know he's here illegally. He sounded like a legal immigrant. And he's great. He's a family man. He's got four terrified kids of Nazi ice stormtroopers are going to beat him up. How it's a, it's a it's a travesty. Well, here's the reality I got from ICE's Denver field office. Mexican citizen Jorge Eduardo Arizia, aka Jorge Areza Avila, is a member of the Serrano 13 gang, is illegally present in the U.S. and considered a wanted fugitive by by ICE. He has multiple criminal convictions to include illegal weapons possession. Illegal use of slugs, trespassing, among others, spanning several several years. And what they didn't put down also is 10 driving infractions. Very dangerous. Serrano 13 gang is extremely dangerous, very much into the drug trafficking for the cartels, by the way. So just as an aside, these dirtbag churches that are an imprecation to God's word are harboring the worst criminal aliens. But let's go to the public policy avenue. This guy entered illegally sometime in 2000, year 2000. He was initially encountered by ICE officers, I think after a um, one of the criminal convictions, it's a, September 2011. Okay? You know, almost a decade ago. He was placed into immigration proceedings. But stop right there. Therein lies the problem. Every single illegal who's in this country is trespassing. There is no constitutional right to any process at all. Okay? Now, the problem is statute, we we need tighter statutes. Because Congress recognized you can't litigate your way out out of an invasion, so they create expedited removal. We haven't implemented it. So what happened was, even under statute, if you're going to implement it, which the courts are stopping now, and Trump's not fighting it, but the thing with expedited removal is you only get two years. But that's not, again, that's not constitutional. That's just the way the statute was written. And the idea was that we would get them on the front end, and look, if you're here a little bit longer, we'll give you a longer process. Hey, what's your story? Maybe there's more to your story. But because we failed to do it, they're all here for longer than two years now. So they're not even eligible for it. So like I'm going to say in a moment, this is the piece of legislation that needs to be passed. But once he, once you put him in proceedings, they, that's it. He failed to appeal, appear to court, dragged out into 2012. An immigration judge ordered him removed in absentia. He appealed the decision and dragged it out all the way to January 2018. And he lost it. But for some reason, the judge was still nice, a gang member, and offered him voluntary departure. Which, by the way, means that he could come back in on a visa. Just come right back in and apply. You're not barred for 10 years. Meaning that's the difference between voluntary departure and a removal. So it's insane that a judge would have ordered that. Immigration judge, but nonetheless he did. Then he went to his next step. The federal courts, not immigration courts, petitioned the 10th Circuit and dragged it out another two years. He was finally denied in the 10th Circuit last month. And then that, now that's why he's running to the church. Meanwhile, this guy dropped four anchor babies over that time. 
I've seen this over and over again. The worst criminal aliens should have been deported, but because they weren't, we're now stuck with criminal alien gangbanger sex offenders' kids. One of the cases I saw in Montgomery County, like some people were like, oh no, Daniel, that was when he was younger, he's a gang member, now he's a family man. Well, here's the thing. Well, first of all, you're an illegal alien, you're not entitled to be here at all. But one of the cases, I can't remember, in Montgomery County in August, where this guy was raping a child. It, it was alleged to have occurred while his wife was in the hospital giving birth to their fourth anger baby. This is how much garbage we, we brought in. Folks, there are millions of people like him. There are 3.2 million known criminal aliens. There's a lot more unknown that, that ICE hasn't targeted, but these are the ones they have targeted that remain at large in the country undetained. One million with final deportation orders that haven't been removed. Another 1.1 million that had deportation orders and are still appealing it endlessly for years. And then about another 1.1 million that are still even in the process and haven't even gotten an order yet. If we cannot lay down the proposition that anyone who is caught here illegally and they have a criminal arrest, much less a conviction, that they are out of here immediately unless they could produce a green card or citizenship with no appeals, apply expedited removal indefinitely for criminal aliens, there's nothing worth fighting for. Think about this. According to Bureau of Justice Statistics, 83% of criminals reoffend within nine years. We are needlessly on the hook for millions of other countries' criminals remaining in this country indefinitely. Imagine if we had a party giving that over. Doesn't have to be this way. But look, you know, it's endless. Uh, where, where is this from the Palm Beach hula hula, whatever you call this? Palm Beach paper. Well, no, it's not the Palm. It's uh, NBC tw uh, 12 News, Palm Beach County. Man charged with molesting two children in West Palm Beach. A West Palm Beach man, I love this. You guys, I know you guys love this. West Palm Beach man has been charged with two counts of lewd and lascivious behavior after police say he molested two kids at a home where he lived. According to the police report, 38-year-old Sergio Gonzalez intentionally slid his hand across a 9-year-old boy's and a girl-year-old and a 10-year-old girl's blank. I mean, I'm not going to read it, whatever. You get the idea. Um... Yeah. And then at the end of the article, they do say he was living illegally for 20 years. Folks, it's only because we don't enforce our laws. If we enforced identity theft and employer um, sanctions and no benefits and applied expedited removal, it wouldn't happen. This is more important than the wall. A wall can't stop lawfare. As we've proved so many times. I, I, I just don't get it. Other countries' criminals. That's all I ask. But hey, buddy. I got a really good hot take on Roger Stone. With that, my friends, we're out of time. Email me at dharwitz at blazemedia.com. Give us a five-star rating at iTunes or Stitcher, wherever you hear this show. Send it to 50 of your friends, relatives, and neighbors. Let's spread the word. And let's try to make this an enduring movement where we could succeed, where others have succumbed to click servitism. 
God bless you all. And thank you for listening.